Good morning. It is July 6th. It's a hot morning again in New York. The person with the new air conditioner is allegedly on the way. And this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Coca, taking a look at the day and the news. Yesterday was, once again, the hottest day in recorded history, but not a new record. It simply tied the record set the day before, which had broken the record set the day before that. Maybe today we'll take a little pause on our inexorable trip to Waterworld. After months of being left out of the conversation about the world's most obnoxious billionaires and the most domineering tech companies, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook made their comeback yesterday by unveiling a product called Threads, which is meant to be a replacement for Twitter now that Elon Musk has made Twitter uninhabitable for people who aren't idiots or Nazis. Threads piggybacks off Instagram, the only congenial and pleasant product in the Facebook slash meta universe of obtrusive and intrusive surveillance and data mining apps. The conflation of the function of Twitter, the place where people would write posts for a mass audience of strangers to take out of context, and Instagram, the place where you could share photos with your pals, suggests that despite various distractions and his unsuccessful foray into the metaverse, Zuckerberg has not lost sight of his core value of trying to monetize people's private activity by hijacking it into a public venue by default. On the front of the New York Times, there is a political memo. DeSantis, misstep by misstep, struggles to cut Trump's lead, carrying on the Proud Times tradition of misidentifying the protagonist in politics. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, looking to shift his run for president into a higher gear, the Times writes, after an early series of missteps, spent the last two weeks rolling out an immigration policy and holding town halls with voters. But rather than correcting course, he stumbled again this week, raising questions about where his campaign is heading. As usual, are there questions or are there answers? There's a long way to go until the 2024 election, and your Indignity Morning Podcast is always here to remind you that unprecedented events well outside the scope of normal political prediction, are all but guaranteed to happen between now and then. But with that said, at the moment, the story of the Ron DeSantis campaign seems not to be the story of the Ron DeSantis campaign at all. It's the story of how Donald Trump, the Republican frontrunner, is continuing to crush his opposition like a bug. That the press somehow became invested in this particular bug, Ron DeSantis, doesn't change the basic dynamic. Trump is running for president. His party wants him to run for president. No one is going to change that by getting up and running a media-approved alternative campaign. It's true that DeSantis's version of that campaign is particularly off-putting, and he is particularly unattractive, but that doesn't matter because he's not in control. The best bit comes later on in the piece, where the Times writes, There are precedents for Mr. DeSantis's slow strategy. At this point in the 2016 cycle, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas was polling at under 10% in Iowa, but Mr. Cruz then went on to win the state, thanks in part to a well-drilled get-out-the-vote operation that never backed down the DeSantis organization is trying to emulate. If Ted Cruz in 2016 is the model of success that you're trying to replicate in your campaign against Donald Trump, well, yeah. It beats trying to recapture the magic of the Marco Rubio campaign, but not by much. And weird stuff inside the paper. There's a dozen paragraphs about 
an idiot who scratched his and his girlfriend's names into a brick on the Colosseum in Rome. We have to read down a ways before it gets to the part that says that the brick was actually part of a wall built during a mid-19th century restoration of the monument, which sucks most of the shock and horror out of the story. Although I guess a mid-19th century brick in the U.S. would qualify as a sacred antiquity. And then there's Missed Monday's Supermoon? Get ready for another shot. See, because Twitter's been destroyed, I missed that there even was a hype cycle around a so-called supermoon this week. But regardless, it's Thursday. Who cares about Monday's moon? There's so little to say about it that it's even padded out with the dumbest jibber-jabber in the whole discourse surrounding our poor put-upon moon. July's full moon, writes the New York Dang Times, is also called the buck moon because the antlers on male deer are growing fast at this time of year, adding as much as a quarter of an inch a day, according to the Farmer's Almanac, the collection of folk wisdom and factoids. Yeah, see, factoid here is in the original Norman Mailer sense of an object that resembles a fact and isn't true and gets passed around anyway. There's no such thing as a buck moon. All those stupid fake Indian names for the moon have no history whatsoever behind them. Nobody talked about the moon that way until people started talking about the moon on the internet and trying to sound knowledgeable. There are two news stories in the front section about the crisis of disinformation in response to the judge's order preventing the government from talking to social media sites. And then here's the dang buck moon brought to you by the Farmer's Almanac, brought to you by the New York Times. That's the news and also the stuff that isn't news. Thank you for listening. The air conditioner arrived, and now we got to pay for it. So please subscribe to Indignity. We depend on listeners and readers like you, and not just like you, maybe you specifically, to keep us going. Thanks very much. We will talk again tomorrow.